I definitely think there needs to be more education for consumers and what's actually happening with their data. You know, it isn't all bad. There's so much hype around that. But I would love them to be able to make an educated choice in a way that they are comfortable with, with that value exchange. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Identity Architects, the InfoSum podcast that spotlights the pioneers in the media industry who are changing the way that data is used to power better customer experiences. I'm your host, Ben Chiquetti, and for this episode, InfoSum's Marion Daquan sat down with Becky Harris, Vice President, Global Head of Ad and Data Products at Dynata, to discuss first-party data, measurement, the value exchange, and much, much more. Before we jump into that conversation, just a reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects land. But without any further delay, here's Marion's chat with Becky. Hello and welcome back to Identity Architects. I'm super excited today to be speaking with Becky. Hi, Becky. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, very lovely to have you today. Um, to start off, it'd be lovely if you could introduce yourself and also introduce Dainata. Of course. So Becky Harris, um, lovely, lovely to be here as well. Thanks, Mary. Um, VP, uh, Global Head of Ad and Data Products at Dynata. Now, Dynata are essentially a first party data company. Perfect. Before we dive into a bit more of a conversations, we want to start with some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask a bunch of questions to you, but eight of them, and you just have to answer um, to give me short answers and, and, and quick answer to them. So the first one being, uh, what is your earliest memory of advertising? Okay, so I definitely think this is probably my mom saying that I couldn't have all the toys in the adverts between TV shows as a kid. Um, I think I was an absolute total sucker for finding them in then the Argos catalogue and definitely putting a huge big ring um, around them ready for my birthday or my Christmas. So definitely, definitely showing my age here with the Argos catalogue. Um, but clearly immediately converted to purchase potential from like the age of seven or eight. <laughs> That's such a funny one. I think we all had that one for sure and everyone can relate. <laughs> Loved the Argos catalogue. <laughs> what was your first job in advertising or, or marketing? So I actually first got into this fun world as a market researcher. Um, I was actually on a placement year whilst I was at university when I was doing a business degree um, and I jumped into working in London. So I was actually digging into the data, sitting behind what I would say is the impact of advertising and marketing. Got it. And knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself when you started your career? <laughs> okay. Um, I would say this is easy. Definitely have way more confidence in yourself. Um, if I could turn back time, I would definitely learn to code and create a website where people could post pictures of their food and what they do every second of every day. <laughs> Facebook. Um, but seriously, I would say really just remain curious. Um, that's definitely served me really well during my career, reflecting back on not really one to wish I'd actually done something differently. I'd say if you're just if you're not learning, if you're not uncomfortable at times, then you should really do something to change that. Yeah, I feel like the confidence one is such a 
uh, a female one that all of us can relate to <laughs> as females. Yes. Hashtag imposter syndrome. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, would love to have created something like Instagram or whatnot. <laughs> so that's exactly. great. Exactly. Um, what do you love about what you do right now and the industry you're in? So, actually, do you know what? I really love the fact that it is constantly changing. Um, it definitely keeps me on my toes. Like I, I mentioned, it's like, it, I think it fulfills my need to continuously learn. Uh, my role is always evolving, whether that's working with the needs of Dynator and our clients, being in product. My internal customers are actually really my colleagues and their needs are shifting, evolving based on what our clients need as well. But then I would also say from the point of view of the regulatory changes as well, privacy laws, of course, being central to all of our work with Infosum, and then also technology. Leading the product team here at Dynata, we are at like this great intersection of all of those areas. So it's really fundamental for us to bridge that gap between today and the future. And really there isn't a week that goes by when I don't see something new coming to the forefront of different yeah. use in our industry literally every article that gets pushed to me at the moment is focused on ai last week's hot topic was california's proposed senate bill 362 uh, like delete act which actually i found out was introduced in april so um and that's literally on top of every moving guide guidelines for cookie-less as well and how we can evolve that world so everything is constantly moving um, which i love yeah i agree with that um within advertising we're obsessed with the concept of identity that ability to identify individuals across devices and platforms if you were to explain that term to a 10 year old how how would you do it <laughs> okay so i actually tested this with my niece I really wanted to see what she was thinking about. Um, and I ended up asking her what makes her different to her best friend at school. Probably a leading question. Don't touch, judge my market mm -hmm. research expertise there. But she said, well, I have earrings and ex's mum won't let her have those yet. But we both have blonde hair and almost same height. You know, she went on to her birthday is different to mine. Then she went off on a total tangent. It was describing the birthday parties that they had this year. And then how her friend really likes High School Musical, which was like all fascinating, I'm sure. But then she came back to the fact that her friend has got a rabbit and a younger brother. My niece has got a younger sister, but she could do the splits. She goes dancing on a Wednesday, whereas her friend goes to brownies. It was this whole whole thing um but really what i loved by that is that i just had a sense of them both that she was describing as individuals interestingly like coming from the world that i'm in she didn't say her name she didn't say her address or her phone number you know, nothing that i would default as identity to be in the match keys that i would need to connect data sets so actually it was really nice to hear about the individual which i think that we should never forget. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's like almost um, all things insights, almost like what what do you know about that yeah. world, but not who is who are they really? Yeah. <laughs> so and all I ever focus on is an identity key. Yeah. I'm like oh, actually, you know, there's more than that. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so interesting. Um, is there 
anything that keeps you awake at night? And, and if so, what would that be? So ironically, I actually think it's the volume of change, um, given that I've actually said that that's one of the things I love. Clearly, I am just a glutton for punishment in that sense. <laughs> I think it's like one part where, you know, you you love a challenge, but also as a human, it's so natural to like resist change, you know? So like as much as you're like seeking for that, you're always going to have a part of you like really wanting to resist that, yeah. um, which, you know, back to the identity part, what is what is what makes you human, right? <laughs> in a way. Absolutely. We are humans after all. Exactly. Um, and what inspires you in life? Probably those that aren't human, like those people that go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning for circuit class. <laughs> seem completely inhuman to me, but definitely, definitely inspire me. I need to get up. <laughs> what would be the, the earliest you could go to? <laughs> Do, do you know what? I'll give myself credit. I do manage a Pilates class at 7.45. Like, so good. <laughs> significantly different is circuits at 6 a.m. They're probably on another time zone or jet lag. You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If, if there was a song that was um, a soundtrack to your life, where would it be? Okay. Uh, well, I know what I would want it to be. Uh, which I would say is the song Just Be by Tiesto, because I am absolutely shockingly terrible at just being in the moment. I'm constantly doing something. My husband moans at me all the time for this, but I really need to learn to put my phone down. Like My answer is always, oh, you know, let me just Google that. Stop, Becky, put your phone down, just be in the moment. Or... I would probably say, this is very cheesy, but Miss Independent by Neo. I think I've always been incredibly independent, but also probably because I could be pretty stubborn, um, but mainly determined if I want to go and try or do something, then I definitely will. I love that song. <laughs> That's a great answer. It's a good song. <laughs> cheesy, but it's a really good song. <laughs> Right. Um, that's it for our quick fire questions. We're going to dive now into more like industry related questions. So um, I'm going to yeah, dive more into like anything first person data related. Um, and obviously we know it's like an, an integral part of the marketing strategies of today and tomorrow. Um, so I kind of want to start off with like your recommendation broadly for any any. Um, partners, brands, advertisers, media owner, or data partner who, who starts their their journey towards first visit data, what, what would they have to do to prepare for the future? Okay, so I completely fundamentally agree, like first party data is absolutely an integral part of marketing strategies today and tomorrow. And I think everything I do is really just enabling that connectivity to action for the different products and solutions that I own. And without the first party data that I have and available to me, that ability to connect with those individuals and provide a value exchange by just acquiring scalable first party data, I don't think is always necessarily a viable option. Um, I actually remember speaking to an FMCG company a few years ago and their strategy was to build out their first party data. Sounds great. But they have no direct to consumer capabilities at all. 
So it was really challenging for them, like both legally from an acquisition, a privacy point of view, but also in terms of liability, you know, the scale of data that they wanted to be able to hold. It That was a really tough act for them to balance upon. I think my suggestion is really to think about not what you do today and just simply try and replace that, but really think about what you need, what you want to achieve, and then build a strategy around that with like really key milestones that are easier to reach, but still have impact. Sounds corny, but you know, said as a true product person, um, what I'm really saying is just don't just think about you need all the email addresses of every single individual possible across the entire population, but really think about the goals of the data and then align to how to engage customers in the right way, but then also partner with the right companies to enable that. So I firmly believe there's routes to success without having, you know, 200 million database of emails for sure. Yeah, that's uh, start with the why is uh, a big one. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of, um, everybody's obsessed with scale, which which is understandable, but there's, yeah, other other aspect to it. And then what do you actually do with it? Um, yeah, I love that. Um, obviously, an, an organization's own first-party data on Intel, part of the story, and that's just, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, a part of that. W- what role does and will data, like, um, like the one from Dayneta and other second-party data sets, play in the future, in your opinion? Yeah, so actually, this sort of takes me back to the answers I received from my niece when I was talking about her identity. I was able to find out a lot more about her and even her friend through that question and answer forum. And essentially, that at the core of it is what Dynata is able to do. So, you know, you could have all the purchase data in the world and know who bought what and when. But like you sort of hinted on, like, if you don't know why you know if you don't know how to engage that attitudes and you only really have demographics you completely miss the mark like it's an absolute pet hate of mine that just because i'm female of a certain age i am bombarded with adverts about children and like just please be more intelligent with your use of data yeah i love that it's it's again like what you said at the beginning like there's so much more behind you as a female person, uh, <laughs> like yeah. all of your interests are important and that's what's going to drive uh, a better targeted advertising. Um, Just not circuits at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be a call out. One, yeah, <laughs> then you can do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Like you just said, we, we all agree that it's, it's the, the way to go is about data-driven advertising. Um, and... In your opinion, who who is responsible for rebuilding the foundation of digital advertising for a better future and, and how can it be done? So I definitely think we're making huge strides in the right direction here. Um, I do also think in complete honesty, we do need a little bit more disruption also. Um, but with that, we all know there's going to be a risk reward balance that we need to play out here. And I think, you know, it comes from a measurement, an ROI, a remuneration for what that success looks like. The industry itself is completely founded and a component of all of those factors, especially in programmatic advertising, where competition, I think, is just a complete 
sort of innate part of society from growing up playing sports to, you know, winning an advertiser in a pitch to driving the most revenue and growth. That innate part of society, I don't, we can't change that. But with that said, I'm a huge, huge advocate of co-opetition. I think we really need to learn, lean in and think about if we don't do more of this together to drive forwards and sharing innovation, sharing best practices, let's just stop duplication of effort there. We'll get to a better situation faster. And if we don't do that, what and who is actually going to replace us? I think part of it, maybe we should use that fear to drive the innovation forwards. Mm. Yeah, let's not Raven do well both, so let's disrupt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And disrupt together. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, what are some of the challenges you see today in the industry? So this is interesting, you know, other than the, the obvious. Um But I actually think there's quite a number of advisory boards. You know, there's the Association of National Advertisers, the Attention Council, of course, the IAB. I actually think these, like, thought leaders and these industry bodies, one of the hardest areas is going to be reaching a consensus on some of the standards that sit across most of these. I actually think that's going to be a huge challenge for the industry. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I kind of want to, to dive deeper now into into measurement, which obviously is a huge part of, of Dynata's world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, how how do you think measurement is going to change in the world in a world without cookies? Okay, so in my area, Dynata, the the products that I build out for our measurement solution is that we're always looking for measurement to be people based. I am absolutely hyper-focused on ensuring that we can resolve back to an individual so that we could then provide the brand of solutions that are based upon that single unit of measurement, i.e. like myself or, or you as an example, like who has been exposed to what campaign, what is the impact and the effectiveness of that campaign. Um, and what that really means for me is to ensure that our ID graph is as absolutely robust as possible. The individuals whose PII data that we have the permissions to use is based upon a trusted relationship. And actually it's also then validated through our own quality solutions. We have a solution called Imperium, which provides database hygiening solutions. We've got address correction and verity, which actually validates information across multiple sources um, so that we can validate some of that self-reported information. So I come back to the individual. So I really think the first party data and permissions that do not exist and where they don't exist, there is going to have to be a compromise. So if entities are looking at cohort level or some aggregation of data, they're going to have to compromise and change their approach on measurement if they don't have the ability to bring it back to the individual. Yeah, there's always a challenge, isn't it? Um, I think everyone's got uh, different definitions of, of KPIs and, and success. Um, any thoughts on, on, on su or suggestion on how to improve measurement in an ethical and, and privacy safe way? 
yeah, so you are completely correct. There is no such thing as perfect and measurement is for sure not easy. Um, but the fact that, you know, everyone even defines success differently, at least that entirely. So even for each of our products and solutions, the critical component that I find is really understanding what a client's objectives are and ultimately what they're trying to achieve. So, you know, with that, and how to improve the measurement, we've actually got sort of two components to this. So I personally think that firstly, we don't need to collect data just for the sake of collecting it, you know, really focus in on what success looks like for measurement in your world. Ensure we're collecting the right data from the right people for the right reasons. I think we have a stance to ensure that we're not handling data that we do not need to be handling for sure. Um, secondly, I would say that we need to focus on the individuals who are willing to provide their data in the first place. I definitely think there needs to be more education for consumers and what's actually happening with their data. You know, it isn't all bad. There's so much hype around that. But I would love them to be able to make an educated choice in a way that they are comfortable with, with that value exchange. Yeah, 100%. There's definitely like so much more awareness, right, that is happening that has happened and that's part of yes we talk about like all of the law regulations and cookie deprecation but i think a big part of it as well and it, even just you and i as consumers we're so much more aware of how um the brands that we consume and the media we consume are what they're doing with our data so that's definitely like such a big part of it and also the benefit to you as well like i alluded to earlier i don't want to be bombarded with adverts about children Please take my data and inform yourself of me as an individual. Take this. I'm willing to provide it because there's then a value exchange for me. And I think that's really important. 100%. What technologies are emerging in this space that excites you? And, and what do you think is still missing but would be great to have? So, of course, InfoSan, data clean rooms. Um, I really love being able to collaborate efficiently and effectively. I think speed to market is an absolute critical component in the go-to-market strategy that I've been packaging up. And without technology to drive that innovation and transformation, we're literally just going to be languishing in like old school batch processing of data, for which there is a role, but the speed of accessing, you know, the speed of modeling, scaling data, I think is critical for both activation of data um, in digital advertising, but then also in analyzing the advertising effectiveness. Like we need to be able to provide that real-time feedback loop to our clients so that they it gives them the opportunity to optimize and show improved efficiencies in their media activation, just making sure they're getting better ROI on, on what they're spending for their campaigns. Um, what I would also, this is my complete biases, I would personally love to see is a reduction in financial admin across all data marketplaces. I mean, who wouldn't? That'd be great. Um, and then I would say also improved analysis and heightened transparency across those revenue streams and the data usage. Sort of like almost like a blockchain component where we can really then leverage and scale up um, and scale out on the sharing and permissioning that we have with a lot more transparency and really then doubling down on the management around that. Yeah, it all comes back to collaboration and everybody being willing to work together and, and disrupt everything together. 
Um, and for that, we, we definitely need, need trust, which is a big part of our, of our business. Um, what are some things that you think need to change and, and how can we as an industry come together, um, like we just said, and, and redefine the relationships with, with each other? Yeah, so I like hinted on this earlier of that concept of cooperation. I think along maybe with the blockchain concept, I think I would love to lean in on how and what and why data is being collected. Like, what's it being used for? For whom and where? You know, in all honesty, that idea of just putting an anonymous ID to help with this, it really doesn't fly with me. That can absolutely be re-identified. So it's just going to be easier to cut to the chase, understand the goals, you know, work ethically and responsibly together. Um, and I have actually found the very best working relationships, just focus on being really honest and problem solving together. Yeah, I agree. Authenticity, transparency. Yeah. We're, all, we're all testing and learning at the end of the day, right? And just like trying to get there. Um, so yeah, honesty is a big part of it. Um, I know you, you, so you don't have a, a crystal ball, but what would be your prediction of the future of data collaboration and and privacy, where where do you see the industry in the next five to 10 years? Well, now I've talked about blockchain, I sort of would really love for it to be blockchain driven. I don't know how that works. Um, but really that alongside like entirely democratizing and enabling access for the right reasons. Yeah, I naturally think everything that we'll be doing across the industry is gonna be faster, that is, dramatically improved even in the last two years with various different data warehousing improvements um you know my complete biases is that i don't want everyone in my team to just be a whiz at coding you know i really need a diverse group of people at the table which you know thankfully i have but i i really want to build out on that because i really believe by enabling that better UI for collaboration, it's just going to then naturally mean that the team can help drive innovation, you know, coming from a product point of view, the more diverse minds I have problem solving challenges, the better the product will be. So really sort of thinking about the customer experience in this is like being able to understand, manage, and then also control, even monetize their own data that they are sharing. In all honesty, that would be a huge shift in the power balance that we've got today. And I think actually that would be a really fascinating navigation to keep an eye on. Think about the wealth of data that I give to Google on a daily basis. I'm like, hmm, hold on, how do we balance that out? So it's sort of a, coming back to like the whole idea that customer is actually king. It's like rebalance that across the industry. I think that would be fascinating. Um, so I have really high expectations on technology enabling further in innovation from individuals. So not necessarily the technology being the sole driver of innovation, but we do need more businesses to take risks with the transformational approach. So we need to consider how to take more efficient and effective use of data forwards while still balancing then with the non-risk approach and the responsibility that we have with holding and storing data. I love that. Um, disruption, ethics, collaboration, 
and human as well is like such a big part of it like coming back to the individual is there is there anything becky that you haven't shared with us that you'd like to to share something i haven't asked you that you wanted to touch on um before i ask you the final question no i love how you've just emphasized it though (laughs) (laughs) a good summary um so again as we we just touched on this this podcast is all about the individuals who have pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences so when you look to people you admire in the industry who would you nominate for us to interview in an upcoming episode if, if there's anyone you would you would think of so I, I'm actually in New York at the moment. So this is what came to mind. I would actually love to hear from the Saks chief marketing officer, um, you know, a retailer with a really solid clientele base who are having to shift to a digital business due to a disruption from you know, the likes of Next Quarter. Part of that sort of sounds straightforward. But I really think that there's going to be then the challenge of keeping the customer at the heart of how they're engaged, you know, drawing out Zach's legacy of service and personalization and how they can evolve that impactfully using data that they have, the first party data strategy. I'd be really interesting to hear how that would um, play out. Secondly, and she doesn't know that I'm about to nominate her for this, but uh, Louise Twycross-Lewis, who's PhD's head of Insight, um, you know, why do I suggest Louise? I think with collaboration at the heart of everything that we've sort of mentioned and everything that I personally and Dynata stand for when it comes to data, Louise has been an absolute driving force in innovating in that space. So I would really love to hear her point of view on, on the industry and the evolution of that going forwards. Lovely. Thank you for, for sharing. Um, Becky, that was such a pleasure to talk to you today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And yeah, InfoSum and Dynata have been collaborating together for a few years already. So really looking forward to the next step of our partnerships and to see Dynata flourish. Uh, and yeah, all the best to you. And yeah, see you in the next episode. Perfect. Thank you so much, Marianne. It's been great working and speaking with you today. Thanks again to Becky for joining us on Identity Architects. That was a great conversation and it was awesome to hear about all the work Dynator is doing to power the first party data era. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening.